Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. If you a bunch of Toronto people watching, let me break it to you. Uh oh. The Raptors gonna suck. I mean, there's no way that. This Toronto team is better than the team that we had uh, in 2015-16. Toronto, I don't trust. I'm not never going to pick against the Warriors, man. Golden State, with all the experience that they have, they're a better team. Uh, the West is a different animal. The Golden State's a different animal. With confetti raining down over them, I got Warriors in six. With KD, I would take the Warriors in five. I'm going with the Warriors. The Warriors in six. I'm going to say Golden State in six as well. <laughs> Leonard makes it official. Now the Warriors just inbound, and that's it. There's a new NBA champion, and it's a team from Toronto, Canada. We, the North, are now we, the champions. The Raptors, the 2019 NBA champs. Uh -huh. Toronto Sport Matters. I don't even know what podcast number it is. We haven't been around for about a month. We've all had a bunch of shit to do. Uh, we were supposed to have a quad podcast. All four of us were supposed to be here, uh, but Greg pulled like the most like Greg move ever and like lost his phone in a field or something, so he's not here right now. Christian Graffin has more of a reasonable fucking excuse not to be here. He got engaged to Netta. Ooh, dropping news right now. Big time. A little bit of uh, yeah, yeah, breaking news right there. Uh, and Javon like just. Cliche Javon Bigard just getting fucking stuck in traffic. Brandon, the consummate professional he is, myself, sitting in this fucking sweat lodge of a goddamn studio, waiting to create this unique, amazing content for our listeners. So thank God Brandon, myself, has the greatest patience in the world to sit here in this fucking sweaty room to provide <laughs> for our listeners. I thought you were about to say that you showed up on time, the only person who showed up on time, but we all know. I always show up on time. We all know. We I'm all an know. adult. You were a tad tardy today. You were a tad tardy today. 
yeah, talking. Okay, Javon comes in sweating bullets, looking like he just got out of bed. The guy, like, literally taking off his shirt in some, like, fucking disgusting room. So he's probably gonna get some sort of, like, dirty rash on his back from some homeless man sharing that chair with is that, you. Is that what happens in the studio when we're not here? Homeless people just uh, sprawling on the They're cuddle. They spoon. They spoon on the furniture. Uh-oh. Um, alrighty, there's, like, quite a few things we missed. Like, probably the most monumental things that ever happened in the history of Toronto basketball and the game of basketball itself. Uh, well, so much for being a basketball podcast. I know. We had, like, just so much juicy content and we just fucking shit the bed. We didn't really get anything out there. I have a theory on that, but go on. Okay, well, let's start it off. Javon, we won the fucking championship. Woo! Like, it's it's insane because it was a month and a half ago, the energy sucked away because Kawhi Leonard is no longer a Toronto Raptor. Yeah. One to ten. Scale one to ten, how pissed off are you at Kawhi Leonard? For leaving or for winning us the championship? Well, for leaving. Like- Oh, I guess he wouldn't be pissed off because he won the championship. Well, he won you. Yeah, yeah. Like, fuck you, fucking a- asshole. <laughs> you came to the city for one year and won us a championship, you scumbag. On a scale of one to ten, I would say uh, I'm not that mad, so I'd say three. Like, I knew going into this season that this wasn't his ideal location to finish out his career or to play basketball. Well, like I've been saying the entire time of the podcast, 60-40, I was convinced he's going to the Clippers. It happened. Yeah. Paul George had a... Like, like, I can't believe how tactful and, like, just, like, meticulous Kawhi was. You know what I mean? A big fuck you to the Lakers. Also a big fuck you to Oklahoma City at the same time as and well. And a big fuck you to the media who were just saying, he's going to the Lakers. He's going to the Lakers. Yeah, yeah. So, I thought that was big time. Um, but the whole year, he never ever said that you know, he wanted to be in Toronto. He never ever said that, you know, this is a place that I look forward to being. And whenever everybody, whenever people would ask him questions, especially after we won the championship, he would always phrase it as, you know, I hope you guys have fun. I hope you guys celebrate. He made no, no promises. He made no like... But he always removed himself from the conversation right. as if like he did this for us. He didn't do this with us. He didn't do this, you know, as him being involved in, in the city. He always was one step removed from anything that, you know, he had to acknowledge. And I thought that was paramount. And if you paid attention to like the way he answered questions, you knew, you knew that he wasn't, you know, there was there was a high chance that he wasn't going to stay here. He mm-hmm. wasn't like, oh yeah, you know, I'm so happy to be in Toronto. I'm so happy we won the championship. I'm so happy. Let, let's let's sign more. Let's be let's be here longer. Like he wasn't like DeRozan. You know, he wasn't like, oh, I'm. He took Toronto. the emotion out of it. Yeah, exactly. But that's who he is, right? Emotionless, right. cyborg. Yeah, but you're talking about a guy who went from you know the peak of you know being that focal point of the championship Spurs team to going to you know like having that hamstring injury. You know, forcing to trade out of San Antonio. People weren't quite sure if he's back from that injury. Going back to Toronto, a lot of questions surrounding him, carrying this team to a championship, and now at this point, he's a consensus best player in the NBA. Kevin yeah. Durant's injured, LeBron James, a geriatric fuck at 35. You know, Kawhi Leonard's clearly, him and Giannis are, are the two best players in the NBA. Um, and Kawhi won that battle, so. Right, so let's go back to the championship. I don't know what else we can really say yeah. um, that hasn't been said. We're not going to have any unique takes or anything different than what all fucking talking heads been spouting out their mouth the yeah, last yeah. like month or so but like what what's your sort of takeaway from the championship how do you feel about it obviously you know like there's so many fucking bandwagon jumpers in Toronto you and I have been what a dick bag thing for me to say right now but we've been real Raptors fans when it wasn't cool to be a fucking Raptors fan yeah we what, suffered through the Bargnani days yeah the Ray for Alston you know well, for Jermaine O'Neal shit to watch but Jermaine O'Neal yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Know, Rafael Araujo Jamario Moon Jamario Moon yeah <laughs> You know, I give it to these guys who had like side accolades, yeah. but for the guys who were labeled face of the franchise and just shit the bed and just 
won zero games and did absolutely nothing for basketball in this city, giving us to the playoffs or any of that stuff. Those are the guys that, you know, we painstakingly had to sit through and, and withstand right. and, and cheer the Raptors when nobody else would. Mamadou Injai. Mamadou Injai, yeah. Uh, uh, Yogi Stewart, back in the day, throwback. There we go. Um, but no, like, looking back to this year, um, we were clearly the best team in the league. Nobody wanted to give it to us. All the pundits south of the border didn't want to give it to us. But I was always just like, we have the best team, and we're played better without Kawhi Leonard. Now, when he steps on the court, it takes away from the structure of the team. But in the playoffs, we've seen that paid dividends because in the playoffs, you need that one guy who can get you a bucket when you need to. Well, it's like what Darren Moore said. There's 30 teams and 25 great players. Everyone's trying to get a great player, and we were luxury to have the best player last year. Exactly. And kudos to Masai and Raptors management for, for you know, having the opportunity to acquire a player of that caliber and despite all well, the blowback and all that stuff they made that uh they executed on that choice and name me a better it. trade in the history of the sport of, of, the, the, of, of sport of basketball the benefit a team to that degree you know taking a gamble on him and just winning like that that has and, to go and, down as a greatest trade oh for time. sure and in hindsight when you just look at it you're just like yeah like we're literally saying fuck anything else after this season all in like it was the same thing I always refer to Anthopolis with the Blue Jays back in 2015 when he went all in and they had a chance to to win it that year and Masai did the exact same thing the only difference was they actually completed the job so right the I, goal is to win a championship it's not to have a fucking like top-notch team like the Raptors were for five like, six years the top goal is not seed to have, in the East exactly like and never fucking be able to seal the deal the, the fucking goal is to go all in and get that fucking chip and we did it it's it's not to it's not it's the to same have thing a, Anthopolis did as well exactly and it's and I think like what a lot of players what a lot of managements do they they're aiming for a legacy they want to have longevity they want right. to have length with their with their uh you know as a winning franchise they want to win not just this year but next year the following year the year after that and that's not the goal like the goal is to win a championship secondarily is to have a legacy well it's great to win. exactly it's great to facilitate a culture that can sort of is conducive to having a legacy that it can carry season over season season warriors yankees you know uh fucking new england patriots etc yeah. but ultimately at the end of the day it's about going all in if you have the assets to do it and yeah. just win a championship but the fucking bigger question is you have to have a come to jesus moment and think to yourself is this a championship caliber team think about the miami heat right now considering yeah. of you know flipping all these assets to get chris paul you have chris paul jimmy butler in your backcourt is that a championship caliber team you're investing so much money in the future into chris paul yeah and the thing is it's like i always talk about chemistry do these acquisitions and these transactions that these organizations are undertaking does it contribute to the chemistry because at the end of the day you could have any five guys play on the court but if they don't have chemistry and they don't have like uh, a good IQ level that matches the other players on the court right and they're able to gel and become greater than the sum of their parts then they're not going to win and with the Raptors, they already had that team, and they were able to fit Kawhi Leonard nicely within that. Well, it was a perfect there model. Was no egos. It was a perfect model of what you just said. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and what we had was both sides of the spectrum. We had the big game, and we had the small ball game. Yeah, we, we had so many perfect. guys that could facilitate different roles and play different positions. You know what I mean? That allowed us to have so many different looks offensively and defensively. So many abilities to switch up, mismatches, etc., exploit yeah. mismatches. And everybody knew that Kawhi Leonard was the guy. And when it was time to defer to Kawhi Leonard, there was no egos getting in the way of that. Right. Kyle Lowry knew when to give Kawhi Leonard the ball. So did Fred Van Fleet. So did Pascal Siakam. So did Ibaka. So did Marcus Saul. A little bit too much, in my opinion. Right. But so did he. Everybody knew. Everybody knew what their role was on the team, and they came out and and they executed. And you know, just on that note, look at a guy like Norman Powell. He was literally 
had like the most up and down playoffs. There was series where he didn't play, right. and there were series where he came in and he won the game for right. us. And then in the finals against Golden State, he barely played. But I can guarantee you, if he came in the game, he would have bust ass. Exactly. And, and he would have executed, and, and there would have been no hard feelings. Okay, going to the team right now. Um, obviously, Kawhi's gone. We brought in Stanley Johnson, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, two non-factors on the offensive side, but two lengthy defenders, multi-positional defenders, guys who are kind of switchy with a little bit of upside. Um, what do you do moving forward? We had a little bit of a chat, Graf, uh, Greg and I, about the direction of this organization moving forward. Do we flip our current assets? We got three expiring contracts, probably combined at $90 million, and Kyle Lowry, Serge Ibaka, Marcus Gasol, which could be pretty enticing to take in. You know, some shitty salary out there with the inclusion of draft picks. Do we bottom out, build around OG, Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, and just to retain as much draft capital as possible? Or do you think we go in this season and try to get that third seed, try to at least sneak in the playoffs and maybe try to be a contender? Because I don't really see us winning the championship championship. I don't know what we're playing for if we're not going to win the championship, if we're not trying to win the championship. Probably. So I think we just stick to what we've been doing this entire time. So the Raptors have never been one to just, you know, completely get rid of all their players and start fresh. It's always been about reloading, always getting better around the edges, you know, developing their players, contributing to the G League, like, calling like, players up. So like if you yeah, look at their, you, entire, their entire roster, right. Fred Van Fleet, Pascal Siakam, um, and hidden, numerous hidden, other guys. Hidden gems, right? Late hidden gems, unsigned, undrafted free agents. Exactly. Masai Ujiri's exactly. an incredible scout evaluator of talent. So what I'm saying is that I think personally Masai's always wanted to come into an organization and start from scratch, rebuild. Yeah, yeah. So his vision of what an organization should look like. And he did and that with the Raptors. And, but he's proven it already in his track record of late draft picks be able to bring in like just like talent that can kind of contribute right away. Like high or ceiling least, guys, high risk guys. Exactly. So if he has the ability to rebuild, if he does accumulate more draft picks, if he does get more draft capital and opportunity to rebuild, reshape the team. Personally, I think that would benefit us in the long run because we have the opportunity right now to have one of the greatest masterminds in the game when it comes to structuring a team. Oh, for sure. And I don't think that we just give them away for nothing. Like, I'm not going to be like the new Blue Jays management and just say, here, take our players and we'll pay their contracts. There's no point in well, that. Well, that's the luxury of having these contracts on Marcus Salabaka and, and exactly. uh, Lowry. But these players they still have so much value on the court. Right. Like, they're a high IQ guys. They're still well, yes. highly capable in the league. Exactly. Um, Kyle Lowry is still a top five point guard in the league. And this isn't like a salary dump. This exactly, is like a Chandler exactly. Parsons trade. And it's you know not I mean? like you're saying, okay, I need to get rid of Kyle Lowry so I can give Fred Van Fleet more minutes. That's not the way it's going to work. Mm -hmm. And going forward, I think that if the right trade opportunity presents itself, Masai Ujiri is not an idiot. And he's not, like, he, he doesn't have any kind of, like, uh, special connection to Kyle Lowry where you can't trade him. Mm -hmm. You know, he's going by the contract and if there's no trade clause and there's a better and there's an acquisition to be made that's going to make the Raptors a better team, he's by all means going to make that acquisition. And just to speak back on to the players that uh, the Raptors had signed in the past month, um, I think that just speaks volumes to um, the new face of the franchise. And you know who I think that is. It's uh, Pascal Siakam. And I've been saying that for the past two years. Even before we got um, Kawhi Leonard and when DeMar DeRozan was here and because these guys aren't offensive threats because they're defensive stalwarts you know it's going to allow more opportunities for Pascal Siakam to do his thing offensively and we'll see him blossom I can think I'm, I'm thinking next year Pascal Siakam his three-point shot's going to be way better he's going to fix his form a little bit he's going to make these adjustments he's going to be able to hit that mid-range and he's going to be more of like a Kawhi Leonard kind of player mm -hmm. he's going to be he's going to be a guy who's going to catch the ball on the wing and break his guy down he's not just going to be a slasher a cutter you know a guy he's got to put on, on more offense. weight he's got to get better, a little bit better at ball I don't handling, necessarily but... think he needs to put on more weight I think it's more the 
the the skill development side that he needs to uh, enhance. So like his ball handling, ball handling, shooting, most important level, like those kind of things. Yeah. I think once he gets that, you're gonna see a monumental leap from him. I th- like every year he's been in the league, it's been a monumental leap, and I see no difference going into next season. And I think adding these pieces that the Raptors have done is just gonna complement him even more. He's gonna allow him to focus less on the defensive end, and you know showcase what he has to offer offensively so absolutely um so there is a lot to get to we're not gonna be able to get to all of it obviously this entire podcast but i think the best way to kind of approach this is just kind of uh break down some of the transactions in the eastern conference we'll finish that with this podcast we'll be back next week and we'll probably break down the west uh perfect so uh we'll fuck we'll start with the boston celtics talk about a team that just kind of fucking shit the goddamn bed accumulation yeah. of assets danny Ainge for years just draft capital draft capital assets 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 he did not flip make the trade he didn't make the fucking Kawhi leonard trade last year yep. he never offloaded these assets for one fucking superstar yep. so he's stuck in a situation where kyrie irving left al horford dipped yep. the team is in turmoil they replaced uh horford and his canner which is like 20 cents on the dollar at least they were able to get kemba walker back um what's your impression of this team do you, do you think the, it's addition by subtraction by bringing Kemba Walker over Kyrie Irving I was about to say the exact what about thing. the loss of Al Horford as well because he's kind of the glue guy on that team right? he is but he's also aging and I think in his counter probably does something similar he provides that leadership not non-defender though I wouldn't say non-defender. Like I wouldn't say he can't defend the three-point line, but he is going to give you effort and he's going to give you heart. You're talking, and, that's and, a, he, and he's going to lead by example. That's a paper-thin position. You're talking about Ennis Kander, Daniel Thies as your two centers coming in the season. But what does that mean though for the other players, the guys that they do have? So take it two years back when uh, um, Gordon Hayward was injured, Kyrie Irving was injured, and you had the rookies stepping up and playing huge and actually getting them to the conference finals. Right. And I think that's what they're looking at, even though they might not think that way. That's what they're looking at right now. Okay, mm-hmm. Ines Kanter is not an offensive threat. That means more ball touches for a guy like Tatum, more ball touches for Jalen Brown. And then you have a guy like Kemba Walker who wants to be there. He wasn't traded there. Right. So his mentality is going to be, you know what, I'm going to buy into what Brad Stevens is saying. Whereas a guy like Kyrie Irving is like, no, this is my fucking team. What are you talking well, about? Well, my concern is they lost Baines, they lost Morris, and they lost Horford. Yeah. Like I just said, they have Kanter and Thies. They don't really have a traditional power forward. Yeah. They're running a very small lineup. Yeah, their, um, their, their depth is definitely an issue. I think a lot of it's predicated on Gordon Hayward to be able to turn a corner. It's also predicated on these Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown be able to play the floor position occasionally. I don't know if Tatum has enough beef on Armino's muscles to be able no. to play that position at this point in his career. But Kemba Walker, like we just kind of threw out there, you know what I mean? Just as a culture guy, maybe not be on par with Kyrie Irving skill for skill. Not far off though. But as like a leader, as a guy that can sort of come in, sort of mentor, nurture these young guys and kind of, you know, flip the script as what Kyrie did last year. But it's like exactly, ego exactly. tour. Um, already moving down the list this is my fucking team I've been like hyped about for years uh, I wish Graf and Greg were here because I would just rub it right in their fucking face uh, I've been Nets guy Nets guy for a couple years now I just love how how <laughs> Marks has team. run this organization I think uh, Chucky Atkinson's a fantastic player and I think they've just done a great job of accumulating draft capital just getting great talent hidden gems uh, later in the draft uh, filling out the roster, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Getting the complimentary pieces. Obviously, they didn't have a superstar last year, but they got guys who could fill the role, three-point shooters, you know what I mean? Kind like of defenders. similar to the Raptors roster minus Kawhi Leonard. Exactly, or Clippers, for example. Exactly. Kind of similar to that kind of thing. And, and, and you know, based on that sort of consistent culture, they were able to bring in fucking Kevin Durant, who's obviously not going to play next year, but still, you know, arguably top three player in the league and also Kyrie Irving who we just mentioned is a little bit of a head case but you're talking about skill potentially as a top three point guard but I think with Kyrie Irving it's 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 not about you know him his skill or his you know his leadership when it comes to his mentality 
of whether he wants to be on the team or not. Because if he doesn't want to be there, right, then you'll see it on the court. But if he wants to be there, then you'll also see it on the court. Right. And the fact that he signed with Brooklyn, I think it bodes well for his chemistry gelling with all the other teammates right. and the coaching staff and stuff. Because he wants to be there. It's I, not I, like he was traded there where he's just like, oh, I'm just biding my year and then I'm going to cut. For sure. He wants to be there. So for I sure. think that speaks volumes. And that's what he wanted the entire time. He got traded to Boston, but I think he wanted to be in a situation where he could pick and choose what team he wanted to go to. Exactly. Um, and also, I think it's a perfect, not perfect, but ideal situation to have a, a fellow superstar and a guy like Kevin Durant that can kind of check that ego at the door. You know what I mean? Not let him get away at the same bullshit he had in Boston. You know what I mean? Trying to embrace this like pseudo leadership big brother you know role that kind it's, of alienated the Celtics players. Like exactly. everyone's more or less kind of the same age. There's not too many young rooks on that team. Yeah. You're talking all from the 25 to 30 range. Yep. So there's not going to be too many like, like weird Kyrie, like big brother pat on the shoulder trying yeah, to like, yeah, yeah, you know exactly. what I mean? And I think it's a blend of what he had in Boston, like the good things with Boston, as well as that uh, not fought that older brother like figure that he had with LeBron James in Cleveland yeah. because obviously he, 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 he benefited from the Cleveland situation but then he was also annoyed and I think him demanding that trade and then leaving was out of immaturity but it was also out of annoyance from being the second fiddle but then when you go to Boston you realize hey you know what I need a guy like that on my team if I ever expect to win. And that's why him and LeBron had that that meeting or that, you know, they, they kind of hatched up their differences during the season. Right. And then Kyrie Irving knew, hey, you know what, I'm going to go to Brooklyn and I'm going to have a superstar with me and Kevin Durant. Maybe not this year, but I'll be able to develop, gel with these guys. And then in two years when KD comes back, you know, we're championship contenders. So I think, you know, this is exactly what he wanted. And I think this move for Kyrie Irving is based out of um, – his prior experiences, so. For sure, for sure. All right, moving down the list, uh, we just talked about Kemba Walker. He left Charlotte. Uh, big replacement, big signing replacement. They signed Terry Rozier to a three-year, $58 million, Scary Terry. Uh, not a bad basketball player. I don't think he's a starting caliber point guard. Yeah. Um, very curious as to why they would offer all that money to Terry Rozier because they were reluctant to go over the max and pay the luxury because they didn't want to go over the tax to pay Kemba Walker. But they're going to fork over all this fucking money to Terry Rozier, which seems so stupid because Kemba Walker has been the most loyal guy on that team. He wanted to be on that team. They were unwilling to go over. Was that what it was? Yeah, basically. So if I they, thought they offered him the max, they didn't offer him the max. If they went, no, they didn't. They didn't want to offer the max because it would have gone gone over the tax. Uh, the so what was? Max. What were the numbers for Terry Rozier? Three years, fifty-eight million. That's not that much for a, like a, a backup point guard, eighteen million a year. But if you look at Terry Rozier, was he really a backup point guard? Yeah, but what I'm super like, young. What the fuck are you tr trying to accomplish here? The, the, the Hornets are one of the worst run organizations. I've all fingers pointed Michael Jordan, but still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like just like the like the the the, the Nick Batum contract. Yeah. Michael Kidd Gilchrist contract. Yeah. Drafting Frank Kaminsky, and when they had an opportunity they to get like five picks horrible, from Celtics for that spot. They definitely have a horrible track record. I'll give you that. But I think out of anybody on the free agent market trying to replace a guy like Kemba Walker. Um, and by all means, I don't think that the Hornets have the best strategy in terms of, you know, becoming a contender. And no strategy. A, yeah, not, none whatsoever. But, you know, Kemba Walker was a decent individual player. I don't know if he was conducive towards being that face of the franchise guy, taking, taking them over the edge, getting in the playoffs. It doesn't matter. If your team is shit, yeah. if you're, and you're playing in like a smaller market like Charlotte, and your fucking franchise guy has verbally, more or less verbally stated that he wants to stick on that team, you sure as fucking shit fork over the money and sign that guy. Show some goddamn respect and loyalty to unless someone. You don't have, unless you don't have faith in your team and you know that, hey, I, whether I give him this money or not, I'm still going to be generating the same revenue, same profit, all that stuff. So I think it was more a business decision than it was a basketball decision. 
to not give Kemba that all that money and then go after a guy like Terry Rozier who can sim- can can quite likely put up similar numbers to ter- to Kemba Walker next year. Like I, he's gonna obviously you think get so. way you, more minutes. He's gonna get way more minutes. You know Terry Rozier's never shot over forty percent. But you season. know he's never been the primary guy. It's gonna be like team. a Steve Francis Juan Marbury situation where like it's 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 hollow stats. It's just points. Nah, we'll see. We'll see. I think he's young, and I think he's been crazy. He, he's been dying to have this role on a team: starting point guard, bring the ball up the court, being a focal point of the offense. Because last year he had to defer so much, right? And even the previous year, he actually didn't have to prefer the previous year because everybody was injured. Right. And then you've seen him excel. So I think last year, like he didn't know what his role was on the team. And I think um, Brad Stevens struggled with giving guys defined roles and how to uh, play together. So I think this year he knows what his role is. Right? He's going to be the primary ball handler, primary point guard, and that him knowing that is going to increase his game that much more. Scary Terry. So we'll see. All right, Chicago Bulls. Uh, they added one of my favorite low-key guys in the league in Thomas Sadoransky from Washington, a guy who filled in John Wall at the point guard position for Washington. Pretty pretty like well, he's a long, lanky, multi-guard. Play, like He can play both positions, point and shooting. Yeah. Uh, good defender as well. So uh, I think it's a pretty decent signing as well. And they brought in Thad Young, nice veteran presence. Thad Young is just a pillar of consistency, stability at the power forward position. Yeah. You know, talking about a guy that can come in, sort of, you know, I wouldn't say protect, but, you know, play alongside their young bigs, Wendell Carter, Laurie Markkanen. Uh, they also drafted Kobe at the point guard position. So I think Chris Dunn's career as a starting point guard is finally fucking over. Uh-oh. We draft a guy a top five as a senior out yeah. of Providence. You know what I mean? This it's a it's, it's a pretty big. Um, so not much to say about Chicago. Definitely getting the shit together. They have a pretty decent team right now. Jeremy Lamb's on the. I mean Jeremy Lamb. Um, Markkanen. Oh, am I forgetting his goddamn name? He won a slam dunk competition. Zach Levine as well. They got a moderately yeah. decent team. Uh, not much to say. Cleveland, not much to say either. Cleveland uh, drafted Darius Garland at the point guard position. Kind of a curious pick considering they drafted Colin Sexton last year at point guard. Yeah. Uh, don't really know the direction where that team's going. Uh, Pistons. Non-playoff, non, non-playoff contenders. Just irrelevant. Uh, Detroit Pistons. Marcus Morris. Uh, they also brought in uh, Derek Rose, I guess, to play point guard with Reggie Jackson. Um... I don't know. Play, fringe playoff team next yeah, year, yeah, I yeah. guess. I don't Same know. Same thing as this year. You know would be hilarious if Detroit traded for Chris Paul? They have the fucking assets to do it. Just reunite Blake Griffin or Chris Paul and put them in Detroit. Oh, that would be like the the worst re- rendition of the uh, old school... Uh, what, what was it? The, uh, what, what was their nickname when they are in Lob City? Lob City? Yeah. Love City with Luke, with Luke Kennard. Um, all right, Indiana Pacers made a couple awesome moves. Uh, I thought they were one of the, the winners of the NBA free agency. They brought in Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, not quite sure if the contract was. He got paid. He got like $21 million per season, a stretch over three or four years. Perfect complementary backcourt pairing with Victor Oladipo because he plays a point guard position, does need the ball in his hand, great spot-up shooter, multi-positional defender as well. Uh, just the perfect guy to have alongside Victor Oladipo in the backcourt. Probably uh, a slight upgrade to Corey Joseph, and they had to replace Nick Collison, so it made sense. Exactly, and they also brought in, uh, they got TJ Warren, that, dra- that draft dump trade for, by the Phoenix Sun, yep. and they also have Jeremy Lamb. So both those guys are coming in to replace Bogdanovich. I think this team got better on paper. They, actually, they also added TJ McConnell from the Pacers to play the, or from the 76ers to play the backup position. I think Corey Joseph and Fucking, you know, Darren Collison retired from basketball at 31, become a Jehovah's Witness. Jehovah's Witness, yeah. Right, right. Like, they got that cult, got some. Uh, so I guess CJ McConnell's uh, filling in for the Jehovah's Witness. So yeah, this is a team that could win the East, in my opinion. Name, maybe not sexy on paper, yeah, yeah. but again, it's a team that a all the players are on their roll. Their only big if is Sabonis and 
and Turner in uh, the front court. You got two big bodies, not uh, not really stretchy. Yep. One of them's known for his offense. It's a bonus one's more known for his defense and Turner. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, Miami Heat uh, got Jimmy Butler and a massive four-team four deal. Um, they also got, shipped Hassan Whiteside uh, to the Portland Trailblazers. So uh, a, a little bit of uh, addition with subtraction, subtraction. I don't know how you want to you know, do that. Jimmy Butler, he he's the kind of guy where he's he's like a secondary superstar, you know? Yeah. But he has the ego of like a, the biggest superstar in the league. Yeah. Like I just feel that way. And he just wanted to get to his own just team. Just a rational like, confidence, man. Yeah, yeah. He, he probably went to Miami. He's like, oh, yeah, we're going to bring back those LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh victory like, days. Like, you think of, like, players in the NBA, like, their goal is to win a championship. No, yeah. I think Jimmy Butler's goal is just to be the best player in their shitty team. Yeah, That's exactly. his like, goal. That's all he and, wants. And, and defy all expectations. Yeah. Not, not really win a championship, but people said he won't make the playoffs. I'm going to make the playoffs. Um, all right, rolling down the list, we got uh, Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, big, big contract. They re-signed Chris Middleton. Uh, I don't know how you feel about this one. Chris Middleton got re-signed. Five-year, $178 million. The sidekick to uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Obviously, they had to bring him back. They have to sort of encourage Giannis to sign long-term, so they have to facilitate a culture of winning. Bringing back their second-leading score probably I'll is a good way to much. do it. This is the downfall of... Um, the Milwaukee Bucks because I think Giannis is overhyped. I don't think. Whoa! Get, that's uh, a Chris Broussard inspired hot take right there. His game is limited, and he got exposed. In what capacity? Shooting. That's a huge part of the yeah, game. Yeah, but he's not, he's a, not a non-shooter like Ben Simmons. He's a guy who's evolving as a shooter. He's but growing his skills. I don't think that he has the touch. He has the soft touch necessary to be able to become an elite level shooter, which you have to become if you want to be a superstar in the NBA. Look at Kawhi Leonard. He couldn't shoot the ball early in his career, but now he has that touch. Like, his shot doesn't look good, but it goes in. Four bounces or zero bounces, it's going in. And I don't think Giannis is going to be able to have the confidence. to. He might have the, the, the development to get that shot, but I don't know if he's going to have the confidence to be able to take that shot and hit that shot on a consistent basis. So I think that going forward, I don't think that Giannis is going to be getting that much better. And that I think the league is going to be making some adjustments in terms of the, the, the traveling that he does on every possession. That's one of the most aggressive hot takes I have heard in my entire life. I love it. I think you should. Uh, I think you should never leave that island. No, no. Giannis is overrated. I completely disagree with you. Yeah, yeah. But I love the gusto to fucking make such a f intense statement. I'll put it like this. Put it like this. When a team plays you on defense, they're making adjustments to shut you down. And when you're incapable of making further adjustments to overcome that strategy of the defense, then you're stuck. And if you look at what Kawhi Leonard did, teams made adjustments to him, he made adjustments back. And he was able to, you know, be victorious in that situation. Giannis, on the other hand, the Raptors made an adjustment after in game three, and then game four, game five, game six, they kept with those adjustments, and the man was completely outmatched, outdueled, and exposed. So until he's able to hit a jump shot consistently, which I have... Uh, I have my doubts that he'll be able to do that. I think that he's, he is an overrated superstar. Alrighty, uh, continuing the Bucks conversation, uh, they also re-signed Brooke Lopez. He last year signed a one-year $5 million contract. He was pretty valuable cog in that rotation, that you know, sweet shooting seven-foot three-point shooter from the top of the arc. And they brought in his brother as well, Robin Lopez, and he also added Wesley Matthews to kind of solidify the bench, so not bad. Uh, talking about a 
moderately good team in the Bucs. Let's go flip the script and talk about a pretty shit team in the New York Knicks. They added Julius Randle, uh, Bobby Portis, Taj Gibson, a bunch of power forwards and big men. Uh, yeah, they draft, they signed Reggie Bullock. They got Alfred Payton. Let's I don't hear the know. CanCon. Let's hear the CanCon. RJ Barrett, uh, Ignis Bredzikis. Oh, Bredzikis. Pride of Oakville. Pride, yeah, I think, I don't, where, where's Bredzikis from? Oakville? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's nice. I mean, we'll see. I mean, him and RJ Barrett. RJ's looks like trash in the summer league so okay. far. A lot of players look like trash. Yeah. At the end of the day, RJ Barrett, his confidence is through the roof, and he's just trying to figure out the NBA game. And once he gets a hold of it, once he understands the nuances and the shots he should be taking and the shots he shouldn't be taking, like I think that he's a workhorse and, and he'll be fine. I think he'll do better in his first year than Zion will. It's a perfect situation, though, for him because he doesn't really have to, you know, he, 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 this isn't a team that's going to have any change championship aspirations. They're not going to make the playoffs. No, not at all. Trial by fire. Get him out there for 30 minutes a game. Let him get that first season shooting 35% from the field. Let him learn from his mistakes. Yeah. Roll through the punches. Move in next year. That's what Kevin Durant said. In order for you to become a great player, you have to, you have to learn from your fucking mistakes. You can't sit on the bench and be nurtured for like three years. Yeah, you and, have to be thrown to the fire, thrown to the wolves, and be able fail. to... Yeah, to exactly. Fail. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Orlando Magic, probably one of the more curious... Uh, re-signings in the offseason was re-signing Vucevic which made absolutely no sense to me because the year before they drafted Mo Bamba as a replacement to Vucevic now they have Aaron Gordon as well so all these fucking bigs yeah. uh, I don't it's, really it's, understand it's what they're play, trying to accomplish player, player capital it's player capital I think they're just signing these guys in an effort to when the opportunity arises they'll be able to flip them Right. I think that's all it is. I think when players sign, because I think when players are, when teams are unable to sign the players they want, they go with other options in hopes of thinking two steps down the road. So, hey, I'll sign them this year. I'll let them battle it out. Whoever's better will get the minutes or whatever. And then when a trade becomes available, I'll flip one of them. Uh, according to Karan Butler, who shares the same age as Markel Fultz, apparently Markel Fultz is injury-free, healthy, and ready to restart his career. We'll see what happens this year, but not really calling out for him. They also brought back Michael Carter-Williams. Also side, um, Al Farik Aminu from the Portland Trailblazers, so another big man to add to their pile of big men. Um, but he, he was he was he was like a a, a stretch guy. He was versatile. Yeah, but again, why player. do you need another fucking big man on this team? That's the last thing you need. You need a point guard. No, you know what they're doing? They're following the same Milwaukee philosophy: long and tall. Long and tall. Not skilled, though. Um, <laughs> all right, Philadelphia. Uh, another team that kind of flipped the script. Uh, brought back Tobias Harris. Time to a max contract. Also signed Al Horford to a max. So you have two guys who play the power forward position, one of which is replacing Jimmy Butler. Uh, they made that trade f- to get uh, Josh Richardson from the Miami Heat. So he's replacing Jimmy Butler's shin guard position. So they're talking about a starting five of Ben Simmons, Josh Richardson, Tobias Harris, Al Horford, Joel Embiid. That's a big fucking lineup. I don't know how they're going to handle teams that have stretch fours. I don't think Al Horford's quick enough to no, guard the no, perimeter. No, we'll no. see what think, happens. I, don't, I, don't, I, think, I think Al Horford is going to be a... I think he might start, but I don't think he's going to play a lot of minutes with Joel Embiid. I think he'll come out early and then they'll get a quicker guy in there. And then um, when... Because you already know Joel Embiid is his limit restrictions are huge. Like he doesn't practice half the time. He can barely make it through an entire game. So when he needs a breather, then they'll actually have somebody decent to come in and replace him. Do you, and do I think that what that's for. Do you think they ultimately have to make a trade? Cause I just don't think Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are ever going to be complimentary uh, teammates. You know what I mean? They, they yeah. both seem like they can't make their, each their other egos, better. Their egos don't help each other. Well, Ben Simmons being an on-shooter, Joel Embiid's sort of being a traditional big as well. Yeah. You know, styles kind of clash a bit. Yeah. Do you think it would make sense to flip one of them at this point before you have to? Inv- like, I already invested in Ben Simmons long term. Uh, hey, if the, if the trade that could be made is going to make the team better, then obviously. Hmm. You know, and I think, you know, these guys are still super young. 
right. and we still don't know what their ceiling is. I think with Joel Embiid, it's kind of more clear. With uh, Ben Simmons, it's more like, will he get a shot? And if he does, then he's way better than what he is now. But if he doesn't and he decides that he's never going to shoot the ball, then you already know what you have. All right, we've already chatted about the Toronto Raptors. We'll finish this one off with the Washington Wizards. Uh, Rui. Isaiah Thomas. Rui, Rui. Hachimara. Rui. 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 He's looked pretty good in the summer league so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I'm saying. Rui. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else you want to kind of bring up? Well, who's that white guy we signed from the, the Euro League? Oh, some backup point guard? Or what's his name? Uh, Matt Thomas. He's American, right? Snipe, he's, apparently, he's just like a sniper from three. There you go. We need shooters. That's all we need. We need shooters. Yeah. So, good, good, good move. Good acquisition. All right, guys. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back hopefully next week. We did a quick pod. We're back. We're live. We're still doing content for you guys. Uh, I love you. Yeah, there we go. All right. Uh, catch our shit on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, a bunch of shit. Uh, Raptors in six. <laughs> Raptor. Yeah, there we go. Raptors in six. Peace out, Toronto. Point.